0: Welcome to episode 182 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're back this week with some more Justice League. Uh, We're finally watching the episodes you thought we were going to be reviewing last week. Yes. The Terror Beyond. (laughs) The Terror of Cthulhu. The
1: Terror of Ixthulhu? It's Cthulhu. Cthulhu.
0: It's it's just Cthulhu. It's It's Dwayne McDuffie's take on uh, Lovecraft. Exactly. It's blatantly Cthulhu. Now... I was super excited for these cuz these are actually some of my favorite episodes. Now, you started to watch them last week. You finished them this week. What did you think of them? The
1: opening is great. Okay. And then for me, it kind of, once once they revealed Cthulhu, mm-hmm. which was a very weird reveal as the the cliffhanger. Okay. Uh kind of lost me at that point. Really? Yeah.
0: See, I I love these episodes. These have been some of my favorite so far. I
1: love Atlantean stories in both DC and out of DC. Yeah, I love theorizing about why Atlantis sank. Uh, I love Cthulhu stories separate from Atlantean stories. I think that there is too many things brewing in this pot. Just too much. Kind of, yeah. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many fates. too many different kinds because we had grundy magic which is based off of um kind of new orleans
0: yeah a uh, little bit of kind of voodoo yeah that's a little bit yeah Yeah.
1: grundy's kind of voodoo magic dr fate is very celestial magic Mm -hmm. uh hot girl is very thanagarian outer space different kind of cosmic magic alien slash science slash then atlantean magic is in there there's, there's just because like obviously last week's episode I, I argued there was, that's it was fair. almost not enough magic.
0: <laughs> well, last week we were saying there wasn't enough magic, but also that there was just too many things happening. There, like, you, you, okay, that's fair. Like, the thing we were both complaining about last week, I just seem to not care about this week, yeah. and that there's just too many things going on because like, at the end of the day, I really like these because of the hot girl Grundy story and I know part of the reason I like them so much is because when they revisit that story in Just League Unlimited that episode is one of my all-time favorites yes and and we won't say exactly what happens but when we get to it we'll we'll talk about it obviously in depth and it's it's, it's a very poignant episode and so um like I, I guess I'm maybe bringing in some of that I don't call it baggage because what's the opposite of baggage baggage is negative bringing some of that love joy i don't know
1: joy (laughs) Joy. i guess that's an emotion some people feel nowadays
0: i I fail to understand the concept (laughs) but i'm bringing some of that with me into this yeah which is part of the reason i liked it so much but i found myself having to stop and remind myself to take notes because i was just watching them Mm -hmm. just to watch them and enjoy them
1: and i took a lot of notes and it made me not enjoy them (laughs) because i got to question everything
0: well maybe you just got to find a nice happy medium yes somewhere in the middle just like kind of casual notes And I will, based off of
1: your point that you just made and the arguments that I get against me all the time, Mm -hmm. where people say, because I'm I'm still at this point standing that JLU is better than Justice League. I agree with that. Okay. A lot of people don't.
0: Who doesn't agree with that? A lot
1: of my friends. Mostly my friend group. Do they understand? Well, so here's my point. And to what you just said, the best episodes of Justice League are when they team up with other members. Yeah. Which is just what JLU is that's yeah. the whole premise of jlu no, so I mean, when you're coming at me not you but people <laughs> I, online slash my friend group when they're coming at me and they're like oh you know jlu is just a hodgepodge of like superhero uh what is it? It, 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 they just want to like show off who's in their gallery i'm like yeah
0: because yeah. that's
1: cool i, mean, I want to see
0: that I, I i i'm sure some of your friends listen to this and i'm sorry i i probably don't know most of you, but you're just wrong. JLU yeah. is better. Like it is, it, it tackles both anthology storytelling with kind of random heroes, which are these kind of fun one-off episodes, and it has some of the best serialized, some of the only serialized storytelling in all of the DCAU. Like The stuff they were doing so well in JLU eventually became the stuff that makes Young Justice so good. Yeah, like It's a precursor to that. I, I think it's the ultimate evolution of... This universe,
1: absolutely, yeah. i storytelling I've been trying to tell them for a while, yeah, and they're, characterization. But there's Starcross, Mike. I've never seen Starcross, and I so, and a lot of people hate me for that. Starcross is amazing, yes, and I've heard that from every single person <laughs> online ever, and me on this podcast <laughs> a lot during this season. Yes, I'm sure I'll love it when I
0: see it in yeah. a couple weeks. Look, we're 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 getting into a home stretch here of some of the best of Justice League. So we're gonna be doing hereafter and coming up pretty soon here. I don't know if it's maybe next week or the week following. That's a great two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting Wild Card, which is when the Joker. The have you seen that one when the Joker takes over the casino in Vegas? Ooh no. Okay, that's a really fun one too. We're getting Comfort and Joy, the the holiday episode. Great. Like we're getting some really good stuff coming up here. But to my recollection, the episodes that stand out the most are often JLU.
1: Yeah. Because it, it's it's. Yeah they wrap up all of the stuff they're setting up here. I mean, it's the same, yeah. it's the same points we made during Superman of like, we know some of this is a drag and I'm just saying any of these are drags. Yeah. But like, well, last, well last, week. Last, week was, last week was a but drag. Like, yeah. Like the thing that we kept thinking about and mentioning during Superman was like, they're setting everything up. We meet Dr. F- we met Dr. Fate four years ago. Yeah, We met, you know kyle Raynor four years ago and i started to learn about the green lanterns back then aquaman was set up back then yeah you know this is technically different aquaman
0: i mean i i think it's supposed to be like more or less the same aquaman yeah but i don't think we even included a fish story on our short list no we didn't i have it somewhere and i'm pretty sure it's like nah we don't need this uh it's like yeah they're they're so good at
1: setting up the nuggets that they're going to yeah kind of complete later exactly
0: and 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 I think even the better of looking at it, it's not that they're setting up the nuggets they're going to complete later, but that the later shows are really good about picking up threads that never were Mm -hmm. fully completed to a satisfying conclusion and finding a way to give them a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. Um, I'd say with the exception maybe being Batman, who unfortunately, they just weren't able to tell Batman stories at that point because of the the Bat embargo that was happening at the time.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just thought it's because once Kevin Conroy sang... There's like, we did it. It's we, peaked. Yeah, I mean, they did done... peak at that point. They yeah. definitely
0: did. But no, it was because of the Nolan trilogy. Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't a trilogy yet at that point, but Batman Begins came out. And then right after that, they basically said, okay, we're going to very strictly limit what Batman stories can be told in other mediums, basically on, in cartoons, to yeah. hold on to things for like what would become the Nolan trilogy, which is why, for example, in The Batman, which is the cartoon that came out like around the same time, just like sort of cross promote, we don't get. Raza Ghoul, Ghul we don't get Scarecrow we don't get Two-Face um they just held on to a lot of those like some characters they couldn't avoid like you had to have the Joker in there no matter what yeah and that's a very unique take on the Joker every every character yeah.
1: in, that, in that series is very different than it is
0: I I actually mostly like them
1: I I hated it when it came out oh, okay because Titans was uh, Teen Titans was out yeah while that was going on and that was clearly at least for me the superior.
0: Yeah. Show. I, I and I haven't revisited Titan, so I can't really get into debate with you on that. But I, I will say this for anyone who's been skeptical about revisiting the Batman, and I, I honestly don't know if it's up on HBO Max yet or not. Um, but I would say get like watch at least the first two seasons. I think the first two are really good stories about a young Bruce Wayne just taking on the mantle of the Batman. In season three, they bring in Jim Gordon and Batgirl, and then season four they bring in Robin, and season five they start doing some Justice League stuff, and it just it got a little bit more kiddified at that point and they started drawing some more blatant inspiration for the 1960s, more campy stories and it just mm-hmm. didn't land quite as well. Um, but those first two, I, I still hold up as being really, really good and um, different, but really great character designs as well.
1: I don't see the Batman.
0: Oh, okay. On. Well... Well, it doesn't matter. We're not here to talk about the Batman, are we? Or even no. Teen Titans, Cameron? I'm so sorry. We are I mean, ultimately. We will always talk about Teen Titans. <laughs> this will always be a secret backdoor pilot for Titan Titans talk. talk podcast entropy. We inevitably start talking about Teen Titans, uh, but no, we're here to talk about the terror beyond. Yes. Do you want to
1: give us a quick rundown of what happened in these episodes? Yeah,
0: exactly. So let me go through kind of a, a, a quick thing. So let's let's before I get into like the full on synopsis, let's at least talk about the rather surprising cold open because it sees the army chasing down Grundy for no real reason, I think, other than he's just a villain and they're yeah. trying to capture him. Um, but they basically get him pinned on a pier and it looks like he's finally gonna get taken out by some massive weird energy tank beam thing that they have in this universe. And right before that happens, uh, a giant sea serpent busts out of the water and Aquaman is riding its back. And it's like, nah, brah, he's coming with me. And he like jumps in, takes out the army and steals Grundy. And you're like, wait, what the hell is this? Like, I yeah. mean, because you hadn't seen these before. No. And so, obviously, it's been two weeks now, but you watched that opening. What was your thought at the end of that cold open? Because that's a pretty bold way to start off an episode.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just so, like, caught up in it. Yeah. It's like, where is this going? Because mm-hmm. that's such a unique team-up of Aquaman and Grundy. Yeah, As right? Like, again, like I mentioned before, they're from such different worlds. Well, they both um, came
0: from water. It's true. <laughs> As, <laughs> As a source of learned. water, yes, yes.
1: A, a puddle, a very <laughs> they, muddy puddle. They both have significant water-based origins. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like you. I was born from water. It's like I don't remember that. I don't. I don't
0: know what you're talking about. Yeah, Grundy but, confused. Yeah,
1: and it, you know this is a, a good Grundy episode. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think it's it's well. He only has three. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it's kind of the only real Grundy-focused one. I think he always got good moments in the previous episodes that he was in. Yeah. Um, but this is the first one that really gives him proper storytelling and does a really nice job with it, too. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, we get that very surprising cold open. And I, I haven't seen these in f- 17 years, whenever they originally aired. So I vaguely recall things, but I don't remember all the details. So when that happened, I was like, oh, shit, that's how this starts? I completely forgot about this. Um, yeah, so basically Aquaman saves Grundy from the military. And then we learned that Aquaman and Dr. Fate need Grundy to complete a spell that will seal a breach that is allowing ancient monsters, aka the old ones, the old ones, aka yeah, Cthulhu, Cthulhu, yeah, <laughs> um, to break into our dimension. And so that's kind of all happening as like to the more or less the A story here. And then you know Superman, Wonder Woman, Hawk Girl don't know that this is going on yet. All they know is that sea monsters are attacking people mm-hmm. so they immediately suspect that's aquaman so they basically go on a journey to try and track down where aquaman is that eventually leads them to dr fate's tower and then they see what appears to be grundy being tortured during this incantation this spell but it's actually them trying to seal this breach and when the just league interrupts it um some pretty sweet fights ensue and then all the thing falls apart and then of course the breach fails and pops through a little spindly legged cthulhu yes so i mean it's 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 one of those situations where
1: an email could save so much time (laughs) just a letter like they all know each other aquaman knows the justice league yeah League knows fate or at least superman knows superman knows him yeah fate can teleport anywhere at any time whenever wherever just be like hey guys just so you know There's a cosmic breach that's about to take over the planet. I know that's kind of your thing that you've been handling for the past two years. Uh, But I'm going to take this one. Uh, We're going to take Grundy. It's going to hurt him a little bit, but, you know, he's immortal. Yeah. Superman, it's about as damaging as one of your punches. (laughs) Uh, So just like, you know, I'll let you know when everything's cool. Yeah. And we can come and party in the alternate dimension later.
0: Look, I... I do agree with you that this all hangs on them just not having a very quick conversation. It would take a minute, maybe max. Yeah, and even at the the beginning
1: of of part two, they're like, hey, can you explain this? Like we don't
0: have time. It's like But you do. Yeah, you do. You
1: just banished him back to the portal. Look, I I And you can literally teleport (laughs) instantaneously anywhere.
0: I will agree with you that the justification they use for getting everyone to fight. To kind of put some action padding this episode doesn't hold up to even like the most cursory scrutiny. But I will say that I'm, I guess I'm willing to forgive that because I like what this episode is doing overall. I like it's basically doing setup, mystery, and action. And I think it's doing all three of those pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like it's setting up what's going to happen in episode two in terms of laying out why this odd collection of people is together. Why are Grundy, Fate, and Aquaman together? Um and why are they using a Thanagarian spell? Exactly. Why are they using a Thanagarian spell? It starts setting up a little bit more backstory on Hawk Girl, which mm-hmm. we haven't really had up till now, and is gonna be pretty we learn
1: pretty...
0: her name. We do learn her name, exactly. Good old share Hall. And you know, this is all gonna be necessary setup for Starcross. It's impossible for me not to mention Starcross. Crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Got to dancing around it constantly. But you know, it's doing all that setup pretty well. I think. Yeah, the the mystery could be solved by a quick conversation, but I find it at least mostly intriguing. Yeah, like
1: I I think for me at least, I was I I just finished rereading uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, like, Oh, okay. Hours before watching these episodes, And so, yeah, that ending is also very frustrating. Where Sirius, you know, when they finally meet Sirius, and he's like being so vague about. Yeah. Like, I didn't actually kill him. It was actually our friend Peter. Yeah, um, and you're like just fucking say that just say it (laughs) don't dance around like well technically i killed them it's like no you you didn't you may think you did yeah you may blame yourself but you didn't just tell him you didn't tell him it's this other guy who's been acting like a rat for the past 12 years Mm
0: -hmm. i it's i guess yeah maybe there's a little bit of dwayne McDuffie pulling from the jk Rowling school (laughs) of writing which is save all your exposition to the very end yeah including revealing that you're a horrible monster um yes yes
1: (laughs) Jim McDuffie mean, wasn't a monster, was
0: he? No, but J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah, I know she is. No, no, I McDuffie's mean, amazing. Yeah, he's like a fucking legend, uh, and gone too soon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there is an element of that. Like they they could have just solved this very quickly by chatting. But I will say that there's an they ex, they allude enough to what's going on. Like even when they're doing this spell, they haven't laid out why they're doing it. They just keep saying like we're gonna steal this breach, and they you know keep saying words like breach or something like that in. Um, In the context of casting the spell, plus we get fate just like constantly like what does it say like by the hand of fate or something like that or that a fate demands yeah fate demands demands. yeah hand of fate is Digimon that's right Um, also worth acknowledging right up here that this is a voice casting change also for fate who I can't remember who he was Uh, let's see George DeHoyo in Superman but in this case it's Oded Fair who I fucking love. You may not know who that is, but he was, I guess, is he the Magi? I forget his name in The Mummy. Oh, okay. Yeah. He also appears in the most recent season of Star Trek Discovery. He's been in constant of stuff left and right. But I mean, one of the just the great voices. That's fun. Yeah. Also, <laughs> kind of a, a slight tangent here. Have you seen that that meme? Um, people saying like, my sexuality is the cast of The Mummy. And it's mm-hmm. just like Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, Oded Fair. And then I forget who plays, uh, is it Never- an oxenamon that's right yeah but it's like those four people and you're like yeah yeah (laughs) they're the most beautiful cast ever (laughs) but i love him and i think he's great as dr fate like he gives it a really amazing gravitas Mm -hmm. because a lot of those lines could be really silly
1: yeah and and fate as a character like i love dr fate oh same yeah
0: i haven't been but i heard the food's good yeah thank you
1: yeah uh i've also never been (laughs) i can't afford it (laughs) nor can i (laughs) um you know, and a lot of that love stems from young justice where he has yeah. amazing arcs.
0: Yes, he does. Um, yeah.
1: But yeah, you know, he, he is kind of this very vague character and, mm-hmm. and he can get away with these vague notions. Um, but like, if someone say anything, <laughs> like I'm so tight ty- and you know, like it is the frustrating part of like, I understand why. Cause you have, uh, Aquaman who is a King and he has yeah. to explain himself to no one mm-hmm. except Mira. Yeah. Um, and then you have Fate, who has to explain himself to no one. Yeah. Ever. It's like, this is what the universe said. And like, well, fuck you.
0: Like, no, he didn't. <laughs> I, I guess I can... And I can, Grundy's just Grundy. He's just Grundy. He doesn't understand. I'm a little bit more forgiving here, I think, because it's still absurd. They don't just talk, but I can kind of buy it from these characters. The, the only one who I don't buy from a Superman, who I feel like should have been making a bigger effort to step in but like hey let's stop fighting and talk because everyone else is a very like action focused person ahead of time and i think mm-hmm. even their pairing of the heroes is really clever when they do splinter off into fight so it's yeah. superman up against grundy who you can't really reason with grundy so he has kind of no choice but to fight and then you have one roman against aquaman so the two you know the two royals two royals and there there comes an arrogance with that, like a sense of superiority, and I think Wonder Woman suffers from it a lot less than Aquaman. But oh, and, and she still this has it. Fight though,
1: this specific fight. This is, and I even put in this in my notes. This is the first time, at least in American animation, that I like saw a fighting style in like in the animation. Oh, like, interesting. The way Wonder Woman fights Aquaman mm-hmm. is very different from how that. You know, it's not just straight head in i'm gonna punch you until one of us falls yeah like you see her thinking about the moves she's doing and she's very like it does feel like a fight between royals where yeah. like these are people that were both trained by the best most ancient deities yeah and you see her like being almost fighting defensively and in fighting mm-hmm. like a, almost like a batman would fight no I mean against that's... him because he's just going headstrong and she's yeah. On the more like, hey, well, let's. We don't have to do this, but if you want to get into this, then I'll fucking get into this. Yeah.
0: If you want to rumble, we'll rumble. Yeah. And and that's a good point. I mean, they're both warrior races. At the end of the day, I don't remember there being a lot of interaction between um, the Amazons and the Atlanteans in the DC AU specifically. Obviously, mm-hmm. in other iterations, there's more stuff like yeah, Flashpoint. Yeah. It's a whole whole arc. But you know, mm-hmm. there is a lot of similarity between those two. I mean, they're ancient, secluded races that are born natural warriors. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of the reason I like this episode is that the individual fights were super interesting. I think that was my favorite, too. Like, I believe they would kill each other.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think Wonder Woman. And also, like, both of them be proud about it. Yeah. Like, I, this is great because you were, like, a worthy opponent.
0: Exactly. And th- there is this sort of, like, slight simmering of respect between the two of them a little bit. they they I think there is an appreciation of each other's prowess. But, obviously, Aquaman is a much more arrogant and headstrong of the two. Yeah maybe less likely to show it but you know i fully believe that you know if no one stopped to intervene they would kill each other and given how the fight ends it's not too far off i mean yeah. it, it goes for a while and then aquaman just basically grabs one of them and drags her underwater until he has drowns her until she's unconscious yeah i don't know if that's a thing you can really do to someone I in like in cartoons drowning. in Kinshar, i feel like yeah. that's the
1: go-to yes. of like non-violent Incapacitating. Exactly.
0: Just, just smother them with water until they're not yet dead. Yeah. But almost kind of dead. Yeah. Straddling that line. <laughs> yes. But I mean, it's it's pretty intense. It's a pretty intense moment. Yeah. You know, and then when they go back to the portal, you know, Aquaman's just carrying Diana and she's unconscious. And then, you know, the other fight is between Hawkgirl and Doctor Fate. And that's an interesting one because this is the first time we've seen that um, Hot Girl's mace has an effect against magic. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that up to this nth point. Metal. Yeah. We don't even know that it's nth metal yet. That's true. Yeah. Um, we just know now that it has an effect on magic. I mean, she can break through Dr. Fate's tower. You know, she can deflect his energy blast, that sort of thing, which is a huge reveal. We didn't know that about her at all. And we'll come to learn that it's because Thanagarian technology was gifted to them by cthulhu slash cthulhu you know way way back in the day but it's rare that i buy into a hero on hero fight Mm -hmm. and i thought this more or less worked and i thought the pairings were really interesting and for filler action they were at least good fight sequences yeah to watch
1: there there was a great line in the beginning when we first see the trio and to your point, I think it's why Superman is kind of, this is at least how I perceived this moment, because mm-hmm. there's a great line that Hot Girl says to Superman when they're in the Quinjet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is, not the Quinjet.
0: The Javelin. The
1: Javelin, thank you. Of a, Do you ever get chafe straddling the line so much? Yep. Which is beautiful <laughs> writing. I love that line so much.
0: It's it's a great line. It's a it's a great delivery of the yeah. line, too. And, I mean, Hawkgirl gets a lot of one-liners over the course of the series. Here she gets a whole bunch of them. Oh,
1: yeah. This, this episode just was chock full of good one-liners.
0: So good. I mean, even early on when they're trying to fight off the sea monster that's attacking a cruise ship. And one of them says, you know, Hera, give me strength hot girl's response is must you say that all the time yes <laughs> which is funny because she really doesn't say it all the time she said it three times three, yes exactly
1: <laughs> and and as as i was because i i'm sure you read the same fact yeah hot girl's never around when she said it oh no, yeah this is the first time she's heard it
0: <laughs> i imagine that wonder woman's just saying it maybe gratuitously all the time like it's an like it's, a, it's a, a late night shift of the watchtower and Wonder Woman's falling asleep she's like oh Hera, give me strength i'm falling asleep
1: well hold on who's whose wisdom Who, at least in shazam i don't know
0: uh, this is your territory solomon? cameron i think yeah solomon yeah right um no solomon is the wisdom of solomon right yeah there it is
1: yeah um i like to think that she does it like everywhere all the time just... so she's doing like the sunday crossword <laughs> yeah it's like solomon give me wisdom it's like can you just it's fucking 9 30 wonder woman
0: <laughs> just let it go please let it go
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Hawkgirl H- H- just best, just give me patience. Like, fuck <laughs> off. girl just standing there like weighing her mace like, ah, <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Batman do understand. <laughs> He'd have my back.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, it's. Uh, oh, so, so the, the point I was making is I mm-hmm. feel like Superman is more, you know, I, I feel like that line may have gotten to him a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't show it. But he's just like, well, I don't. Wanna, I'm not straddling the fence. I'm gonna. You're gonna punch. I'll. I'll punch
0: too. Yeah.
1: I'll show you that I'm not straddling the fence.
0: The only way you can bruise him is to bruise his ego. Yeah. Or to hit him with a like a magical tentacle. Or just be Batman. Or to be Batman. Still blows <laughs> <from the> <laughs> also, now that I think about it, maybe part of the reason I like this episode so much is there's a lot of bare chest in this, isn't there? There is. Aquaman just refuses to wear a shirt all the time. Good on yeah, him. Yeah, get wet
1: yeah that would be silly you know like what the one of the worst feelings in the world is when you have a wet t-shirt that won't unstick from you
0: that is absolutely true yeah i mean he's not full on namor running around in just a speedo unfortunately yeah but it, there's still enough to kind of make it work You get him superman takes a shirt off for a nice extended sequence when they're in the javelin and i guess we'll kind of count grundy you know he's got some pretty substantial pecs it's true yeah he's got a vest on though he's got a vest i gotta like a vest yeah yeah <laughs> From watching Magic Mike so many times, I have a love for bare chests and vests. It wasn't Aladdin. <laughs> oh, fair point. And that's where it all started. That's, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Mm.
1: Uh, but yeah. So they they all fight, and then they come back, and then it's the reveal of Cthulhu. Yeah,
0: that's what we're trying to prevent as Cthulhu pops through. Yeah, and okay, I think I think maybe there's one more reason why I'm kind of giving this a bit of a pass, is. There are elements of this that remind me of Just Like the New Frontier, which I'm always talking about. It being my favorite comic, mm-hmm. but without going into full detail of what happens in that story, there's some like slightly Cthulhu-esque monsters going on in that as well. Yeah, um, I
1: just rewatched the movie the other day. It's really good. It's very good.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the it's one of the best. I mean, one, I mean, it's my favorite comic of all time, and I think that adaptation is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So it's MPH of the Flash right yes yeah it's a good flash it's very good barry allen um but yeah like i think there's some pieces in here that kind of remind me of that comic which is also why i'm like giving it a slight pass yeah a little bit still a lot going on hey look it is it's there's a there's a lot that happens in this episode but i don't know i, I totally understand your point but for me it never felt gratuitous um, or feel like filler, which a lot of episodes do, especially if they're just packing in like an extended action sequence to pad out. I mean, this, this was
1: an eight-minute action sequence. <laughs> but
0: I, for me, it didn't drag on though. At no point I was like, "Can you just?" Yeah, wrap I mean, this yeah, because it
1: was three separate. It, it it wasn't as bad as like Superman finding Wonder Woman a couple weeks ago, exactly. Which yeah, lasted half the episode.
0: Yeah, and and that was one of those moments too. I'm like, it just it felt contrived to put them together. And yeah, I guess this is probably no less contrived. But I was a little just more on board, I think, because the action's good and I can kind of buy it a little bit more. Which I
1: also like coming from the animation industry and the animation side of this. I find it so fascinating that you pad time with action because action is the most expensive thing to animate. Yeah. And so they're not like saving money doing this. I think anime is is infamous for doing the the freeze frames and just constantly cutting and holding on faces as that is how they pad time.
0: It definitely seems silly because you're right. It it's costs time and money to do it. And I guess because it's always been a kid's cartoon, they're like, you can't bore the kids with too much exposition. Yeah, so, tell
1: that to Dragon Ball Z.
0: That's why I don't watch Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Amongst many reasons why I don't
1: watch Dragon Ball yeah. Z.
0: There's
1: a lot of shirtless guys in it. A lot of training montages. Shirtless training montages? Of course. Mm. Who's gonna, who's gonna, except when they do when they add in weighted clothing because that is the anime thing to do it's like yeah. you want to get stronger wear this 50 pound vest all the time so i didn't say 50 i mean 500 pound vest all the time well
0: that that might do it yeah yeah mm. okay well maybe i'll watch it up to the point where they start putting on clothes yeah <laughs> should i talk to my therapist about why no. i'm so sexually attracted to male cartoon characters no well there's a small <laughs> window I,
1: I do have to say there's a small window because they start <laughs> off as children okay you don't want to watch it then no but Best then there's avoid. a two-year time skip at the end of Dragon Ball before he fights Piccolo, King Piccolo, for the first time. Okay. So you have, like, that arc leading into the Raditz arc. Okay. Um, the, those, are, those are your prime shirtless Goku moments. Oh,
0: okay. Cameron, I also appreciate that you have uh, tricked me into actually <laughs> listening to you talk about Dragon Ball Z because you're enticing me with shirtless I've men. I've learned. <laughs> I've evolved
1: as a character.
0: My, my thirst outweighs my impatience. The,
1: the second half of the Frieza arc. No, we're good. Yeah, okay. we're good. That's the best one, though. This he becomes a Super Saiyan.
0: Okay. More Super shirtless? Tex. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. Yeah,
1: Just, at that point, they all lose their shirts because they flex so much.
0: Oh, ooh, all right. Yeah. Mm. All right, now I'm on board. <laughs> yes. I'm on board. But yeah, I mean, that that basically sets up all the stuff that's going to happen in episode one, and so we'll go ahead and move on to like episode two here, um, where they are able to temporarily banish... Let's just call it what it is Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu, yeah. Back to his dimension. um Oh, one thing I totally forgot about. Actually, in episode one, we get Solomon Gurney's backstory. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, Cy-
1: Cypress Gold.
0: Cyrus Gold. Cyrus Gold. Yeah, so he was just kind of a ruthless gangster who was double crossed by some of his fellow gangsters and riddled with bullets via a Tommy gun. In a, in a really, I thought that sequence actually done pretty well mm-hmm. in terms of like the sepia tone, in terms of actually having the the blatant violence happen off screen, but. That's a great thing about animation and kid stuff. If it's a shadow we're seeing instead of an actual body getting like spasming as it's getting hit, hit by countless bullets. It's so all it counts. But then they they take his body and they already I guess the the gangsters put some sort of curse on him to begin with. And they dumped him in a swamp which had its own Right. Cause inherent it was, magical it was, properties. Again,
1: it was two separate kinds of magic they performed there. Yeah. I don't remember what the, the gangster magic was. Yeah. So was just money. <laughs> um yeah, because that curse interfered with
0: the voodoo curse on the land. On the swamp, yeah. yeah. And caused him Was to... Was it a Native American curse? I don't think so, no. Okay. I, they, yeah, I, I think the implication is it's it's a swamp, so... No, I mean the one they did on Grundy. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. They they didn't specify. It's very... That is now five types of
1: magic in these episodes.
0: Vague curse is happening on Salmon Grundy, but it creates a unique combination that basically resurrects him as a... Uh, a soulless hulking immortal. monster yeah um and so after he finally learned because he's all he wants is gold like even when aquaman tries to lure him into helping them his promise is a bunch of gold once granny learns his backstory he realizes the one thing that he's missing is his soul and so now that's the thing that he wants back and it's a little bit unclear if fate intends to actually help him get his soul get his soul back or... i would say no uh, it's weird though because i i mean fate is an interesting character because i believe he would do whatever it takes for the greater good he's i mean he's basically just like doctor strange they are yeah they are very much similar in terms of the only power set um but also in terms of just their general approach so i could believe that he would dupe grundy but he also is he's pretty sincere he doesn't come off as the kind of person who would lie necessarily so I feel like he intended to do something to try and help. Well, this,
1: this not strange, sorry. This fate, is, I feel like is closer to, because I mean, I, you, we see fate for a minute in the Parallax, or no, the Parallax, the Return of Green Lantern arc. Okay. I guess it's the Parallax arc, Parallax, beginning of Parallax arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scepter, where he is kind of this cosmic figure I think I would put him a rank above strange because where strange is kind of the mortal protector. Dr. Fate feels kind of just like he's, he's almost above all human desire.
0: So he, so the character, even in this episode calls on the Lords of order to help him in this spell, like casting the spell. And I looked it up very briefly, but the Lords of order are like a collection of cosmic beings, magical beings in the DC universe. And so I think, nobu the the spirit of nobu but like whatever possesses the helmet of nobu yeah is one of those lords of order and right. so uh dr fate who i think is something kent here um yes he is an agent of the lords of order yes and, and i would agree with you yeah like dr strange wields cosmic power and wields magical abilities a beyond other people like he's just better at it than other people whereas dr fate is like an eternal powerful being Mm -hmm. that has a particular agent so yeah so he is crazy crazy powerful
1: yeah so i'm not saying that he wouldn't do it selfish like as a selfish reason he just lied to grundy i think it would be a more of like if i do this that is opening up a door in the cosmic realm that i will never be able to shut again okay that's fair yeah a soul to you are technically dead, yeah. And I cannot, in as a as a being of order and and you know, I cannot return a soul to a dead body.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, he's just kind of doing what's necessary. Yes, um, I and, said to you what
1: I said because it is what I knew would yeah make you, you know,
0: bring order. That's fair. Uh, and it's Kent Nelson. Kent Nelson. Kent Thank Nelson. It. Yeah, yeah. I had the Kent part. Yeah, I think that was close. Um. But yeah, so now we can actually get on to part two. Now we established that very critical piece of information. Um, but yeah, so then we also, we get a little bit more backstory on two different fronts. So we get the the origins of Atlantis, mm-hmm. which in this case is that the actual, like, so Poseidon, who ruled Atlantis at the time, to basically send back the, the, the old ones? Yeah. The very
1: ol- well named. The yes. old ones.
0: <laughs> is it with the Lovecraft version is the ancient ones? Yes. Or, okay, see, it's not far off, really, is it?
1: And and that's, yeah, I, I think I brought this up before we started recording. I know, I don't know a lot about Lovecraft. Yeah. And, you know, Lovecraft Country is not a good base of Lovecraftian storytelling. Right. Um, But I know just enough where I know that all of this is a ripoff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's blatantly a ripoff. Yeah. When they said Icthulu, you're like, oh, you're not even trying. Yeah. You're really not even Dwayne. trying. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but... This history of Atlantis is that Poseidon basically to f- fend off Cthulhu forges the trident from all of like the the ambient cosmic energy in on Earth and uses it to drive them back, but in doing so he compromises the magic that was keeping Atlantis above the ocean and it sinks deck down to the floor. Yeah. So a- as the big Atlantis head, Atlantean head, Atlantean stand here the two yeah. of us, how did you feel about that version of the Atlantean origin?
1: I okay so, this the cynic in me is thinking like, hey ancient Greek man, uh, how about you don't pick a or how about you don't pick a plot of land that's only held up by magic, and how about you just go you know Athens didn't sink, you know no. why because it has a fucking foundation under it. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Yeah. Um. No, I was fine with it. Okay. It, it, it's always some version of that where there's a great magical force that causes atlantis to split off from the rest of the mainland yeah which then will lead it to collapsing into the ocean yeah um you know obviously atlantis the lost empire is is my main source of course because it's so good uh it's good and it's basically the exact same thing but um it was not the trident but it, it was again they created a giant defense yeah which caused the city to Break off from the rest of
0: Greece. Then bloop, 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 bloop. Mm-hmm. it goes. Yep. Yeah. All their
1: cool technology. Yep. All that's sweet.
0: Blue glowy technology. Yeah. I've seen the movie once. I can't remember it.
1: It's good. It's good. Very good. Yeah, it's good. There's like the more I learn about Atlantis, and the more like because it's it the story goes all the way back to like uh Socrates okay like he tells parables of this city of Atlantis yeah and like this it's been around forever Mm -hmm. and I think that is so cool that like you know the story goes back to ancient Greece
0: yeah and it's still like has a, a a somewhat relevance to pop culture. It's like so deeply ingrained in the zeitgeist that you can just call something Atlantis. People know all that you need to know right yeah, there. Yeah, I get it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And even Futurama's amazing parody of it. Oh, Atlanta. yeah. Atlanta.
0: <laughs> when Atlanta sank. God, that show is so good. It is. But yeah, so we get that backstory in Atlantis. And then we also get some backstory on the Thanagarians who used to worship Cthulhu as a god. And then he granted them basically science and mathematics and philosophy and technology including the technology that's in Hawk girl's mace which we will eventually come to know as nth metal um but the price as she puts it was too high because he basically just would take away the souls of the ancient thanagarians and at a certain point they're like nah fuck this we're done with you and they just banished him and refused to worship any higher power following that mm-hmm. which is also like kind of an interesting way of um like setting up a semi-scientific semi-magical alien race
1: yeah and also goes great into paralleling her frustration with wonder woman yeah because when she hears wonder Woman make these oaths she's calling forth from a greater power which is so against the Anagarian code
0: yeah and i i think that's one of the things i liked about this episode is that it's about hawk girl's lack of faith Mm -hmm. and as someone i'm I'm basically more or less an atheist. Like I just, I don't really have a sense of faith. Like, there are times when I have a hard time understanding people who do have faith. Like, and I can respect it, but I don't, I don't get it. And there is almost, like, a, a bit of a jealousy that comes to that sometimes. Like, it would be nice to be able to have faith in someone or something beyond just, you know, the taking things at face value. Yeah. And it's well, hard to do. And I, I can appreciate that storytelling here.
1: I, I agree. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the big difference is understanding our version of faith versus <laughs> the comic version of faith. not not even not you know not not on the on the surface level but like i think young justice does a great version of this Mm -hmm. where wally refuses to believe magic exists oh everything has a scientific explanation yeah where in this universe we do see this idea of god or this idea of a deity always kind of reverts back to just another creature trying to harness power i mean dark side is a god to his people Mm -hmm. uh cthulhu is a god who, who can grant his power but in you know he is still a person
0: yeah he's a being he's a sentient living breathing killable being
1: yeah uh, but it does kind of make faith such a more interesting question there because like in a sense you do know there is something bigger yeah sometimes better sometimes badder out there and so to say you don't believe in anything because what's the uh, oh, what what is it from? Where Superman makes the no Captain America makes the line.
0: Oh, there's only one God, ma'am, and a preacher doesn't dress like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's a like, great line. Yeah, and I I love that idea in in Marvel yeah. and in, in DC because I feel like you know Superman could say something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when you have literally fought gods.
0: Yeah. There's a whole place called New Genesis. New, Genesis. Which is just it's, the new gods. It's the new gods. Yeah, and one. And even, to your point, with Hawkgirl with and the rest of the Thanagarians, they know that these sort of beings exist. It's yeah. not like it's a hypothetical thing like, oh... It's not like someone
1: was scamming them.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, was this all just, like, made up to try and explain, like, things that could not be explained without developed science, like, way back thousands of years ago? And now people still hold on to it? Yeah. Sort of thing? Like, no, these existed. And so it's her, her lack of faith is interesting because... There is something to believe in, but she refuses to because she and the rest of her people have been scorned yeah. by it. And so that judgment then she then casts, even unintentionally on other people who have it, she kind of judges Wonder Woman for having it. And she doesn't fully understand Grundy's faith that, you know, he will be reunited with his soul after he dies again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think knowing that it was building up towards that, that moment. I mean, obviously the rest of the episode is them just basically like trying to stop the rest of the demons or the, the beings from going through the portal into Atlantis and then a splinter group going off and trying to defeat Icthulu, And ultimately it's Grundy who like cracks through the skull of Icthulu and basically just goes around and scrambles the inside of his brains. Yeah. Um, And ultimately it kills him again. It's a really heartbreaking moment actually when he dies again and, and Hawkgirl is trying to there and comfort him and has to support and encourage Grundy's faith, even though she doesn't have it herself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I found myself getting emotional when I watched that. Okay. I
1: didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I look, I think it might be odd that I did, more so than that you didn't. Well, so.
1: th- I mean, you, I, I think, because you know what's coming, and I yeah. have vague memories of the episode that that's coming up where he returns. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, you... You know, you you feel that because you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, Where for me, this is my second time seeing Grundy (laughs) this year. Fair. It's not quite the same. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's another villain gone. Yeah. Batman could have saved him probably. (laughs) He could have. (laughs) There's and this is, you know, probably getting a little too metaphysical with all of this. Uh, But especially when it kind of comes back to these ideas of faith. And very westernized, mm-hmm. I feel like learning about various mythologies from around the world over the past nine months. Um, it's interesting to see the idea of kind of a deity that is perfect is a mm. very westernized concept. Yeah. And and infallible. Whereas when you have going back to like Greek and Norse and Hindu and and Chinese mythologies, the gods make mistakes. Yeah. And I think you know, having the Thanagarians be like, oh, this guy did one thing wrong. And, you know, it's a big thing. He stole souls. Like, yeah. He, yeah, pretty he, big, yeah, Pretty big neg- negative, but that's also, you know, a big part of old religions was sacrifice. Yeah. And so when you have one thing that made him infallible, they're like, oh, we can't believe this anymore. I feel like it's a very Western concept of handling that deity.
0: And, and I feel like that also kind of falls along the lines of, um, usually if there is a singular God, that one is infallible. Whereas all the mythologies you reference, I'm pretty sure have multiple gods or multiple deities, which makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was what I, I recently started learning about J- uh, Japanese mythology. Mm-hmm. And that is what's interesting about them is they, they are multi They're Uh, Paul, what's the word Paul? I mean, not polyamorous. No, the other one. <laughs> it's a
0: very different thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not, certain what the second part of that is but yeah, yeah. like polytheistic polytheism yes, polytheist, yes polytheistic. Okay. cool um uh, there we go also i went on the record and did not look that up and edited that out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> off the dome <laughs> um
1: you know they are they are polytheistic especially with their older deities and they're they're multi-tiers of commies k-a-m-i okay <laughs> sorry i forgot <laughs> i have to <laughs> There's King Kami, if if you've ever watched Dragon Ball, not you, the listeners. Right. Uh, you know King Kami, and then there's Supreme Kami and, and Supreme Kai, and there's this tier mm-hmm. of gods that continue to outpace each other. That is okay. very much connected to Japanese myth.
0: Oh, okay. That's um, interesting.
1: But yeah, even then, like, if a god makes a mistake, that god is, like, severely punished by the other supreme gods. Yeah, And so even, like, the lower tier deities, like the earth commies um they like the origin of earth is this weird stupid story i think it's kind of stupid where it's like two a male and female deity came to this water planet and the only way they could get married was they walked the entire length of the globe and then met on the other side for the wedding but then the it's also very bad thinking about it now the woman talked to the man first which made the whole ceremony null and void. So oh they my had God. to do it again. Of course. Under the punishment of the higher up commies. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, that's not too far different from just Adam and Eve. Yeah. At the end of the day. Exactly. It's, it's always woman's fault. Uh, Fucking hell.
1: But yeah. So even having these multi-tier, there is always a, a tier above them that is more kind of infallible. Oh, okay. They um,
0: become increasingly infallible as you, you go up. Right. Whereas yeah.
1: Greek, it's Zeus is the top. He's the one that fucks the most.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Zeus gets away with
1: a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a lot.
1: There was a great video that I saw earlier this week. There was a, a guy or a, a guy coming home. It, it's a, a joke on the, the Mary and Joseph story. Yeah. It's like, Joseph, I'm so sorry. I was in, I was collecting eggs, and suddenly one of the chickens started to have sex with me. <laughs> and, and now I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. And the guy goes,
0: Zeus. (laughs) Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) It's always Zeus. It's always (laughs) Zeus. (laughs) Fucking Zeus. Yeah, like it, I I felt like this episode kind of tackled some of these ideas about different types of faith and different types of theology in a way that felt neither ham-fisted nor overly simplified Mm -hmm. to some degree. Like it's more, it's not necessarily about what people believe in, but whether they believe in it or not. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a nice job letting that dynamic unfold. And I think it was a smart choice in their part also to focus on Hawk girl One, cause we just don't get a lot of Hawk girl stories in this up to this point. Um. But two, she's more complicated. I think than the other ones, I also love that this gave an opportunity to form a friendship between Hawkeye and Grundy. Like and that, that, anyone really, anyone, like yeah, everyone I mean, kind of yeah. hates on Hawker at this point. You know, she has her, her, Blooming romance with uh, With GL But other than that like she doesn't necessarily have Friends and acquaintances Something like that and so just that that It is a sweet relationship Like you know Grundy and Birdnose I love that he calls her Mm Birdnose It's really really cute and of course that's going to come back again In JLU but I bought in Because I bought into that friendship and because I was along for the emotional journey of the friendship It allowed me to just be on board with the whole thing And I was able to forgive it for it's more absurd and plagiarism
1: yeah i after just talking about it and like this is you know we we had a very long talk about faith which is not something that we normally i know it's <laughs> surprising for uh, us it is i guess like that is in one sense very important for kids to see yeah and kind of understanding that people have different faiths and beliefs and
0: yeah some more magical than others. exactly And it's it's not a purely religious based faith mm-hmm which is what makes it kind of nice. It's, yeah. m- it's more just like faith in something more than yourself, um, which doesn't have to be a, a God in the very traditional, like Westernized version as we are often told it is. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, I went to like a Jesuit university and I'm like, a, as did I, a, a fucking atheist. <laughs> I had to take religion classes, you know, and I, I found interesting things to like think about and mull over when I was there. Um, actually the theology of marriage is of my favorite classes. Oh, which is weird from someone who is both an atheist and not necessarily inclined to get married. Yeah. <laughs> so. And mine was interreligious studies. So that would be interesting. It was very fun. Yeah. We just watched South Park a lot. That's fantastic. As you should. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean the, so there's this beautiful moment where Grundy sacrifices himself, which it was ultimately the end game there right like he was gonna be sacrificed for the spell and this time he chooses a factor sacrifice himself yeah to defeat Icthulu, and then you know hot girl is very upset about it and you know um basically tells him like you know to have faith that you'll be reunited with her soul and then the nice thing is they had that really sweet burial sequence at the end where they're all standing there and you know hot girl has done it done a barrel based on earth customs. And so, you know, Grundy is buried with a grave. Just as Solomon Grundy born on a Monday, mm-hmm. which do you know why it says born on a Monday?
1: It's part of the children's rhyme. Exactly. Yeah. Born on Monday, christened on Tuesday, something on Wednesday. I don't remember the rhyme anymore.
0: So do you want the full version? It just uh, has more words. It's not that much longer. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Cause it was
1: the, I, I just remember from injustice. That was the combo was you would get him to say his rhyme. Oh, okay. And he was my favorite character to play. Okay. I mean, Solomon is so fucking broken in that game. He's
0: great. But yeah, so it's Solomon Gundy born on a Monday, christened on a stark and stormy Tuesday, married on a gray and grisly Wednesday, took ill on a mild and mellow Thursday, grew worse on a bright and breezy Friday, died on a gray and glorious Saturday, buried on a baking blistering Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Gundy. Doesn't rhyme as well. I think if I had said Monday tuesday wednesday grundy it may have worked better i over enunciated as i want to do but i i I really like that final little Mm -hmm. little tag there which is really nice and then i i have kind of one more big thing on this if we're talking about uh blatant ripoffs and plagiarism
1: oh you know i love to
0: this episode is actually kind of just copied and pasted from the Defenders comics, the Marvel's Defenders comics. Okay, yeah, I,
1: I read a few things about that.
0: Yes, exactly. So specifically, the the initial pairing of the four people trying to um, reseal this breach. So of uh, Aquaman, Dr. Fate, Inza, who's-
1: uh, Dr. Fate's
0: wife. Wife, yes, and partner, and then Solomon Grundy. Those are essentially the equivalents for the Defenders, which are Namor, Dr. Strange, Clea, who has the same relationship to- Strange as mm-hmm. Inza has fate, and then Solomon Grundy is essentially the Hulk. Yeah, and I guess even in the comics, Hulk refers to Fate as Stupid Magician, Hot girl as Bird Nose, oh no, yeah, Aquaman as Fishman, and that's what Hulk calls those same characters mm-hmm. in the comics as well. So, yeah. Dwayne. It's like it I, I'm choosing to treat that more of like an homage. Yeah, that's an ode. Yes, an homage to those ancient like those old comics rather than as like a a blatant ripoff. And I love stuff like that. Like I really loved in it's not quite the same, but in X-Men Evolutions, there's one episode that actually unites the five original X-Men mm-hmm. on a mission. It's like it's little things like that of like, okay, it's fun to have these um surprising pairings and knowing that it came from a place in the comics. Yeah. Even if it's the other comics. In the case here, but no, I I I really really love these episodes. They're some of my favorites. Super excited to um see the follow through on it once we eventually get to Justice League Unlimited. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, have I convinced you to like these episodes more after our um, long conversation? Also slightly expanding. I don't I don't think I I I don't want to say that I
1: just... you know I I didn't hate these episodes. Okay, but it, it just was there was a lot going on. Yeah, you know, that's was just kind of meh. Because even like, we skidded through a lot of what happened in that second half of the episode, in the second episode. Aquaman goes back to Atlantis and uses his troops as fodder to yeah. get through the breach on his own. He calls some whales in to come yeah. smack around some demons. Superman things. and Wonder Woman are also fighting the breach from the other side. And then it's yeah. kind of this aquatic, uh, aquatic, <laughs> ex-mahina oh yeah where <laughs> aquaman comes in in the middle of a monster and just bursts out
0: i mean he is a badass yeah
1: like all you know that's 10 minutes of this episode is, is yeah. jump between those two and, and, it, and it, that is you don't need any of that None no, of that is, is important it, to this story
0: it's it's decent action um and you know it does help pad the time a little bit it, it's a nice like counterpoint to what's going on with like the grundy hawk girl stuff too yeah but yeah, overall I, don't, overall, I really, really like these. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nice thing is, is, I know I'll win when it comes to the shortlist conversation because we have to we include have it. to include it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll pull up my argument when we get there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> do be determined down the line here. Um, all right, so why don't we uh, kind of wrap things up here? Let's do why don't we do plugs, your question, and then we'll wrap things up with some notes from friends cool um so what do you gotta plug this week cameron
1: i had a very themed week this week Mm -hmm. i watched a documentary on amazon which has been on my list for a while called the orange years okay and it is the history of nickelodeon oh okay it is amazing i obviously i Nickelodeon's always been very very close to my heart since i was a, a wee lad um and the orange years it spans kind of 1975 when the original concept of kind of a children's network started mm-hmm. through 2000 okay um following kind of the the main woman that ran that sect of diacom of, of viacom mm-hmm. at the time um who is just an amazing woman yeah um i i just blanked on her name and i'm so sorry you deserve so much better than this
0: honestly cameron
1: um but she basically came and like created the Discovery Channel and a bunch of other channels outside mm-hmm. of that. Her and her husband are like very well-known executive producers around Hollywood. Uh, but like the the first line of the documentary is this channel was made by women, mm-hmm. and they talk oh. about like at every stage there was always a very powerful woman in this in the studio making oh. Nickelodeon happen. I had no idea. Um, but yeah, it is fascinating going back to. I'll do a, a very quick, because I this part I found so fascinating, because I didn't know anything about this mm-hmm. at the start. Have you ever heard of Cube, Q-U-B-E?
0: It's ringing some sort of vague bell in the back of my brain.
1: It was an experiment done in the 70s for television for, for television viewers, and mm-hmm. I guess the audience, that um, was kind of paired with a Nelson box.
0: Okay, Nielsen. Nielsen box, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the Nielsen rating boxes, um, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah the the kent nielsen box (laughs) exactly (laughs) um uh where you would get kind of this multi-button remote that would interact with the tv Mm -hmm. and so they made custom programming back then so like the the biggest show was kind of an an america's got talent american idol kind of spinoff where you would have a live performance come on and you could vote if you wanted them to move forward or not live as they were performing
0: oh interesting yeah
1: uh and that would determine how long they got to continue their set for yeah and if a lot of people said no they'd cut them off at a minute 30 very gong show-esque sure um but it was this experiment done in like the middle of missouri hmm. uh, and it didn't last very long it lasted like a year and they canned it but i i, I knew nothing about that yeah. and that is fascinating that i was in the 70s that was 1975 mm-hmm. they were already trying this which like still hasn't been figured out to this day but lord do they keep trying do they keep trying yeah Yeah. quibby is because of that (laughs) um yeah it is a very fun very like warm documentary Mm -hmm. especially when they get to the animation era which is what i know best of course and they're like oh yeah how did doug become to be it's like oh like the pitch was bad (laughs) like it made no sense yeah but the guy because the guy who created Doug, um, dresses like Doug every day. That's just really? his normal outfit: is the 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 green sweater vest with the white button down undershirt and yeah. the the khakis. Oh my god! It's just who he is. Yeah. And like yeah, we just wanted him around. Like, he was just <laughs> so nice. Everyone's like, yeah, we'll just give him anything. We just don't want him to leave. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I I don't want to spoil too much of it, but highly highly go recommend okay. check out that
0: the orange ears. Uh, yes, the orange okay. ears.
1: And then from that, there's another weird experiment that I watched, which I told you about earlier this week, called Pluto TV. Mm, Yeah. Also done by Viacom. And it's kind of this, it's a free channel. I don't want to call it a streaming service, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like this in-between space between cable and streaming. And it is a bunch of kind of, individualized channels on this free platform so a lot of classic stuff which is what i've been kind of flipping through a lot so Mm -hmm. there's an adams family channel which just plays randomized reruns of adams family Mm -hmm. they have like the carol burnett show um who's the former host of the tonight show johnny carson johnny carson Mm -hmm. there's a whole channel for him uh Dick Van Dyke and Mary, Tyler, Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. Bob Ross. And then going into the reason I jumped into it is they'll give a couple hour block of the old Nick game shows. Oh, okay. So going back and watching double dare and, and hidden temple and mm-hmm. guts oh. and yeah, what a great time. What so, last thing I'll, I'll say about the documentary? Cause I just loved this moment. They talk about, they're interviewing the kids from all that because mm-hmm. they filmed that in orlando in universal studios that's right that was yeah the actual studio yeah and they basically said like they'd break for lunch and it was a contest between the kids to see who could escape their handler <laughs> and just hide in the park for the longest <laughs> and so they had most of them just like wouldn't eat lunch the second they broke they'd run and get on the rides yeah and just like who could escape set the longest was the game they would play daily and as a kid that sounds amazing as yeah. a now adult I'm like fuck that would be so problematic on so many levels.
0: <laughs> I would feel bad for the PAs who are responsible to try and track these kids down. <laughs> exactly.
1: Cuz these are like well-known kids. It's so like obviously the rest of the cat the rest of the crew at universal probably knew them. Yeah. And you've definitely had some that were on their side cuz yeah. you know no one, you know fucked the man. <laughs> and like that just that world sounds like a dream world.
0: Yeah. Very different time. Yeah. Well, I'm not too surprised that your theme of your bat plugs this week was nostalgic Nickelodeon. <laughs> but I love yes. it. That those both sound amazing. Yes, so.
1: highly recommend both of them. Pluto TV is just this I feel like there's something for everyone on there. Okay. And Interesting. Yeah. There are commercials, which, yeah. which is, is why it's free.
0: Yeah, it's why it's not a paid subscription. So. Yeah. um and then I, I know you've mentioned before, but we talked so much about mythology this week. What's the, you're listening to a book on tape or you're listening to a podcast there's about a, mythology? What's it called? Uh, I think it's worth throwing in here because we've talked about it so much this yeah, week. Yeah,
1: it's it's an audiobook. Well, there there's two kind of parallel things that I've been listening to together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an audiobook just called Mythology Mega Saga, okay. which is this, it's basically a compilation of a bunch of different mythology books. Which is weird that it's just one credit on Audible, mm-hmm. sponsor of this week, Audible. Right. Yes. Because <laughs> um, it's kind of eight different books. And you can even tell because it's a different narrator for each section. Oh, interesting. Okay. But it goes over Greek mythology, Norse mythology, Japanese, Hindu, um, Mesopotamian, mm-hmm. Egyptian, Chinese. Uh, it, it's amazing. Okay. It, they go over the main gods and then kind of give summaries of the big stories of mm-hmm. those mythologies. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also a podcast called myths and myths and legends. Myths and legends. Okay. Um, which does a great breakdown. I found it cause they do great deep dive into authority or er, Arthurian legends, mm-hmm. which I'm also a big sucker for. Yes. As so, we have established. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he dabbles a little bit in, um, Polynesian mythologies, which mm-hmm. I'm also a big sucker for. Yes. Uh, it's great. It, okay. It's a very, very well-made podcast.
0: Nice. Okay, yeah, worth throwing those in the uh, the show notes down there if you guys want to do a little more of a deep dive on mythology, since this yeah. was a very mythology-heavy episode. What about um, you?
1: What have you been listening, watching, reading?
0: Uh, I watched a movie this last week called Mommy Dearest, which is kind of one of those movies that is so culturally like imbued that once you see it you recognize the references. But so the the movie stars um Faye Dunaway playing the classic film actress Jane Fonda not Jane Fonda. <laughs> Joan Crawford. So it's Faye Dunaway playing Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford was a you know very famous actress in like the, the 30s and on. Mm-hmm. She had a very famous feud with Betty Davis, which was covered in the film Feud. Um and then they're like on like off-screen difficulties then like seeped into their on-screen personas in another film called uh whatever happened to baby jane if you want to go see like an actual joan crawford movie but so this is essentially a biopic and what it it's a weird movie and it was kind of pitched to me as like super high camp Mm -hmm. which it basically is so we're always talking about good bad movies and bad good movies you know like a, a good bad movie being one that is um, like, just really terribly made, but it's fun to watch because.
1: 90% of John Claude Van Damme's. Exactly.
0: John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think our classic example is Batman Forever and especially Batman and Robin, <clears throat> a good, yes. bad movie, like a fun watch, even though it's not necessarily well made. Whereas a bad, good movie is one that was intended to be you know like this epic masterpiece and just completely falls apart um i'm looking at you dark knight rises is my classic example of that say anything
1: james cameron that's not titanic
0: uh well hang on true lies whoa wait hey, whoa whoa Sorry, cameron. I, cameron. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back
1: it's just avatar
0: back the flying <laughs> fuck up here terminator Yep. terminator 2 yep true lies never seen it titanic true uh, true lies my personal favorite of his because it's kind of a james bond spoof okay sort of but it's also very sincere I don't know, i'm it's sorry weird. it's just
1: avatar for everyone that's not me
0: exactly yeah, yeah. but i mean you, you there are lots of examples in recent history of you know what i often refer to as oscarbation sort of films mm-hmm. um a lovely portmanteau of oscar bait and masturbation for obvious reasons yeah. this is somehow both a good bad movie and a bad good movie like oh, it was intended to be like an oscar contender it was made with absolute seriousness but it is also horribly directed and, like, terribly edited. And the thing is, is it starts out at 11 and never lets up. Good. Like, it. it, it Hell is... Hell yeah. It is just constantly, like, this, this absolute extreme. Because the story is basically... It, it's adapted from an autobiography of um, Christine Crawford, who was the adopted daughter of Joan Crawford. It basically just details what a psycho Joan Crawford was mm-hmm. and all the abuse that... Christine and her brother, Christopher suffered at the hands of this woman who like was just this vainglorious, insane monster. Um, And so there's these like extremes, these moments that are absolutely insane. Like I think the most famous one, and I guess if you're a big RuPaul fan, they make constant reference to this movie and I'm that one gay that doesn't watch RuPaul, but there's this whole scene where Joan Crawford shows up in the middle of the night in like full on face mask, like her face is bleached, almost Joker white and she comes across a wire hanger and like, like her daughter's dress on a wire hanger in the closet, and she has this total meltdown about no wire hangers. Like that's like its peak insanity, but it never wavers too far from that. Um, so it's it's a very bizarre piece, and it has this sort of like pop culture resonance because it's just so over the top. Mm-hmm. Like I I did enjoy it a lot. It it doesn't. Uh, I will say this ahead of time it's not really quite a spoiler but doesn't necessarily have a super satisfying ending to it because it's a true story like you you don't get that like real punch of um like comeuppance that you kind of want given how terrible joan crawford is the way she's betrayed yeah but it's it's totally weird and if you like have heard of it I, i it's worth watching it's worth watching it's it's intense it's also and it's hard to do right now obviously because we're in a, a pseudo sort of quarantine locked in situation but it's also best enjoyed with a group you can all kind of laugh at w- with the film yeah like it is funny if you're the group of people that can just go like oh my god this is so insane and ridiculous like this we're all gonna laugh at it so it's it's one of those weird movies you can kind of watch it as like a disaster and failed filmmaking at the same time as it is just like stupid and fun mm-hmm very bizarre movie. Um, but yeah, check that one out.
1: Interesting. It's a weird, okay. it's a
0: weird one. Yeah. Um, so that's my major plug this week. And then, uh, you know, as I mentioned last week, we've now joined uh, the Pod Tower on YouTube with the DCAU Watchtower. And actually, I always call them that. That's just their Twitter handle. They're the Watchtower Database. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For the Watchtower Database and the DCAU Review. Um, and so just want to give a shout out to the DCAU review whose latest episode that came out on Saturday, the day we're recording this, uh, is all about the Batman beyond episode, the final cut, which is one of the Curara episodes. Ooh. So yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So go, uh, check out their stuff too. So I think that does it for plugs. Uh, and then why don't we get to your question, Cameron?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's more of a prompt than a question. Mm-hmm.
0: Is um, it a writing prompt? Do, do I have a, uh, yes. you know, a, a blue book that I have to write out a, a pencil drawn answer for four or five pages in yeah. two well, hours need sketches oh shit all right i'm out yeah i can't draw uh so
1: as people who've been listening to this know i am an avid Disneyland theme park uh obsessor yes and so i was trying to imagine because you know we have marvel land coming out eventually mm-hmm. whenever disneyland reopens um but dc properties are usually teamed up with six flags yeah and they do decent theming decent you know good rides but Mm -hmm. the theming is never really there to match the disney quality yeah so my prompt slash question was what would a dc theme park and you know there's a difference between theme park and amusement parks what a dc theme park look like uh and i asked you help pitch A land and mm-hmm. a ride. Yes. What would one section of this theme park look like? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so uh, I thought about this a little bit and obviously I immediately gravitated towards Gotham yeah. because it's the most popular ones, most yeah, likely. It makes thing makes the most sense. Yeah, it makes the most sense. You could do a lot with that. Batman has the best Rogues Gallery. So I was trying to think of rides that would center around Batman's Rogues Gallery. And mm-hmm. there are many more to come up with, but the two that sprang to mind immediately that I latched onto uh one would be a duck paddle boat ride inside the iceberg lounge (laughs) yep so which i think would just have like it'd be cool to see like the theming of it you can imagine it would look similar to the way it does in the new batman adventures of like this big old-fashioned lounge around the outside and in the middle is like a big little gloom with maybe a big iceberg in the middle and everyone's out on little ducky paddle boats um, okay. fuck you could do it pirates of the caribbean style That's exactly what i was also thinking. have a restaurant like actual the, restaurant the
1: exact thought i had yeah definitely just remake blue bayou yeah
0: exactly but it's iceberg lounge i think it'd be really fun everyone's dressed up in tuxedos and you know you can make a whole thing out of it so that was one and the other one i had was a uh killer croc chase to the sewers ride
1: you really want sewers to be a big component of this, i do you? I
0: really do but so I, I forget, Cameron, have you played the Arkham games? I have. So you, you played Arkham Asylum then, the first one? Yes. So you remember the big croc sequence mm-hmm. is you're trying to like track down the bits of the plant spores in the sewers and you have to like very carefully walk across the wooden planks and not disrupt croc or else they come and chase you. Mm-hmm. So the idea was basically make that into a kind of roller coaster style ride. So you're like strapped into like a proper roller coaster type car, but... You start out, like, you know, say Space Mountain, for example, there's like that part where you're kind of slowly ramping up to get to the top before you go and it goes all crazy. You're doing that, but you're moving slowly and the the story reason behind it is that you're creeping through the sewers trying to avoid or escape from Croc. Yeah. Right, and so, and then there's moments where like, you know, you go over a spot and you can see the water bubbling or you see like a shadow going through like on a side tunnel, like you're kind of trying to navigate around him. And then at a certain point, He spots you and then the ride actually kicks into full speed. So now you're on a roller coaster kind of going through sewer tunnels trying to escape him. And you can build in lulls in the speed of like you think you've escaped him and you slow down again for a little bit and then he reappears and you speed up again. So it's like a way to take the the roller coaster mechanics which occasionally require you to slow down but build it around a narrative of you trying to escape from Croc and then interweave it with high speed sections
1: yeah that's great i love that
0: i know i really want to go on this ride after i came up with it I'm like damn this
1: sounds amazing <laughs> i i feel that pain a lot
0: <laughs> yeah uh but yeah those are the two that i came up with what did no, you Oh, i have? love that yeah
1: i was trying to break out of the the general mole because like obviously gotham is the go-to metropolis would be the go-to right and so i was trying to think of like what would be a...
0: atlantis. Is yours in atlantis it's atlantis. <laughs>
1: No, I was trying to think of like what would be a comparison to Tomorrowland that's not metropolis. Okay. And I would love a new Genesis. Oh, land. okay. Yeah.
0: I don't know what you
1: could do there exactly. Because mm-hmm. the only ride I thought of was for Gotham. Of course. Um but I think having a new Genesis themed area, because especially after seeing like Pandora mm-hmm. done so well, you can do these huge scale futuristic Sci fi cities, yeah, done to impeccable detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also doing a lot of looking into Super Mario World that just opened in Japan, which just looks gorgeous, yeah. Um, you know, I think there's something very unique they can do there. I don't, I like I said, I don't know enough to think of a ride at the moment, but something like the jetpacks that everyone has, mm-hmm. um riding on there's there's the ride in Pandora where you're riding on the back of uh, of an Ikran or a banshee. Uh yes I did have to do that. Um uh, which is like one of the best rides I've ever been on. Yeah. Um but I'm just imagining that but instead of riding the Banshee here, riding uh on the back of Orion <laughs> just g- guiding you around the city.
0: Which I'm sure he would love.
1: Yeah. Um but again I don't know what the ride for this would be but i was thinking uh you could either make it part of the ride and make it kind of like the hogwarts ride mm-hmm. at either the universal parks or just have this be the queue but i want to physically walk around the bat cave
0: oh that would in be some cool capacity yeah so
1: obviously one of the rides is going to be in the batmobile yeah uh that you know kind of your test track kind of your mm-hmm. car's ride where yeah. it's slow then fast then slow then fast um but yeah i like your ideas a lot better having them based around <laughs> the villains yeah <laughs> I, I should have put a lot more thought into this and i will definitely put more thought into this after we record um but but yeah
0: I, I like that i mean that makes sense yeah you could do a, a test track style batmobile like a batmobile pursuit thing across the city mm-hmm. but yeah the, the the line to get into it you go through the Batcave, cave which would be pretty cool
1: yeah and then also thinking about like uh disneyland paris where they just have so many walkthrough things which mm-hmm. i think is so fascinating and is such a foreign idea to americans just walk places yeah um how dare we i know but one of the things i love is underneath their castle there is the dragon's lair And mm. you can actually walk through and see a sleeping dragon so you're supposed to be quiet to not wake it that's pretty cool yeah just loving that idea of like you can like wayne manor is one of the buildings you can walk through and if you yeah. find the secret there's like a almost like uh a pirate's lair on tom Sawyer's island be mm. like, these secret passages that lead you to different parts of the Batcave downstairs. That would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You can go into the Batwing hangar, the Batboat dock. Yeah, that'd be so much the fun. The armory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wherever Nightwing works out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> can you sock food? <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> sock food in the laundry room of Wayne Manor. Yep. Yeah, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. If you haven't looked at uh Super Nintendo Land, it is the most... Like, you look at concept art and you look at real photos like this can't be mm-hmm. real there's no way this exists in reality yeah it's so beautiful
0: no it's gonna be exciting once it opens up yeah you're gonna have to go back to japan yeah i'm ready i don't think there was that was much of a push to get you <laughs> to do that though, was it um uh, but uh, i i would love to hear people's suggestions on this I yes. think this is a really interesting topic um yeah so if you have suggestions for things you want to see in a uh, a disney level themed mm-hmm. dc park whether it's like a walkthrough exhibit or just the 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 theming of it The Yeah Design to, to or the give, rides Like
1: uh, a basic Template for what Disney rides are There's the high speed rides Which is kind of What we pitched mm-hmm. There's the dark rides Which are the more Storytelling Pirates
0: Caribbean Haunted Mansion
1: Yeah Um There's the interactive things And the The VR rides Kind of like your Um Toy Story Or Um No Star Tours Oh Star Tours Yeah, yeah. Um And then the The, the ride in, in Pandora Yeah Um yeah those are kind of the main three mm-hmm. thinking about restaurant theming iceberg oh laps, yeah the iceberg mess, one. yeah yep. uh something with poison ivy i think it would be very fun there yeah her botanical gardens mm-hmm. something in there yeah no i mean it,
0: it's it's a it's an untapped concept really yeah and, uh, I'd be, i would love to hear people's thoughts um yeah so i think for that the best place is to send it to uh let's be a probably instagram uh yes. tim talk pod instagram is probably best because that way camera might see it too um but also twitter is a great place too because i keep it on the twitter yeah and along if those lines <laughs> yeah, if you don't want camera to see it send it on twitter i'll look at it um along those lines uh we have a few notes we'll get through real quick Ooh. as we wrap things up here um so uh jake aka the overvoid on twitter who's always lovely in sends in messages uh wrote in to talk about uh earth 50 because we were talking about that with the justice lords okay and he pointed out, he basically said, look up um, earth 51 Wonder Woman Batman. It's really messed up. And I forgot that I'd actually read the comics that dive into all this stuff. So Earth-50 was in, concluded in the ongoing Batman Beyond series. And I've read all of it like okay. up to a certain point. Um, and so this big volume, for those who want to go check it out, is Batman Beyond 2.0, Volume 2, Justice Lords Beyond. But it basically... There's a point where the comic Beyond Terry, which is not quite the same as the DCAU, but it's kind of half DCAU, half comic books to some degree. Yeah. But he ends up in the Justice Lord's timeline, and uh, I won't go into exact specifics of what happens. I think that they're worth reading. They're pretty good. But um, the story of what happens to Wonder Woman in the the DCAU beyond the show and then also her... Justice Lord's counterpart is really, really like dark and twisted and okay. messed up. Um, and even more twisted than what we saw in the show, which makes sense. It's a comic book versus the, uh, the cartoon. Um, but yeah, go check that out. So thanks Jake for writing in and remind me that was a thing. Cause it's, it's really, really fucking weird. Um, and then I also want to give a, a shout out to Justin Eddins on Twitter. Who's at superkid uh, 801 who just like every week, you know, always like likes and retweets, pretty much everything we post, and is always lovely and just chiming in on comments on Twitter and Instagram. And you know, I just want to give him a g- general shout out for always just being uh, such an awesome guy and so yeah, supportive. Thanks, and he's he's super supportive of all the other stuff too. The Watchtower Database boys, DCA review, Susan Eisenberg, a lot of the cast when they post stuff. He, he's always jumping in and being a, just a, a totally awesome guy. So yeah, thank you.
1: We really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing here, I actually have uh, a question for you, Cameron. <gasps> Yes, uh, a double question corner this week. Um, so we got a message from our friend on YouTube, Solomon Sultani, who has written in a few times and written us questions before. Um, and so he said uh, he started off by saying, the you know, Cameron doubting his Green Lantern knowledge, like GL doubting his powers in this episode, was great." <laughs> he was laughing at that. Um, But he said, seriously, though, I have a question for Cameron. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Green Lantern Corps compared to the rest of DC Universe. Is there any book or comic book or guide that one should read to better familiarize themselves with the Green Lantern lore? So is there a comic you would recommend or a starting point you'd recommend? Oh,
1: man. That's tough because... I started in the middle, mm-hmm. but I think that is the best. When Jeff John first comes in okay. with rebirth and okay. then kind of hits his peak at Blackest Night. Mm-hmm. I started at Blackest Night.
0: So worth noting, this is Green Lantern Rebirth from like the yes, early two thousand. Yeah, two thousand one or two thousand three. Right. Not the universe spanning rebirth titles that came out four or five years ago. Right. Okay.
1: Yes. Sorry. Yes. That is a very good it, it gets messy. difference we need to make. <laughs> yes. Yes. GL rebirth. Okay. it's kind of when they reset how Jordan's character. Okay. Uh that was yeah, like we said 2001 or 2003. Mm-hmm. Um if you want to learn about just him, that's probably the best place to jump in and he has great story arcs. Mm-hmm. Um there's Tales of the Core, which started shortly After, which follows Mike Guy Gardner stuff mm-hmm. and all of the other Lanterns, which is very fun. Yeah. It's very broken storytelling. Okay. So you'll follow like one character for a couple pages and you won't see them again for like five issues. Oh, interesting. So that's okay. better for just like, if you're binging comics yeah. so you can keep them all in order. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, honestly, like blackest night is, okay. is where I jumped in, in the middle and you get an idea of all of the lantern. Cause I love it. Cause there's so many cores at that right. point. You learn about the whole spectrum. Um, and it, especially if you enjoy JLU mm-hmm. when it gets to the point where like, all of earth's heroes get rings and you have like Mira as a red lantern mm-hmm. and flash as a blue lantern and scarecrow and lex and like heroes and villains yeah get to be part of this unit like that is like peak green lantern for me
0: so it would because i know that's there's some pretty dense complicated stuff in there and i'm pretty sure you've made reference to like having to do like constant research while reading that when you read it when yeah. you were younger so
1: yeah so Final Crisis, which I think is the densest of the multiverse stories. Because we
0: talked about this earlier this year because I read all that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, it was dense beyond my comprehension. I consider myself pretty knowledgeable about DC Comics.
1: Final Crisis kills so many people. And Blackest Night is the story that comes out of that, Okay. where the Black Lantern is, is powered from death. Mm-hmm. And there was basically so much death that happened in Final Crisis that he became overwhelmingly powerful in an instant mm-hmm. and used that to take over the universe. And everyone that died basically becomes a zombie lantern. Great. Yes. Is there
0: anything you would recommend reading prior to blackest night like <laughs> it would rebirth help getting into blackest night or are you just gonna have to go into blackest night knowing you're gonna have to do some background research
1: i i mean that that's just kind of how i did it okay um and it's not ideal i mean now you have a lot more opportunity for backlogs when mm-hmm. i read it i was i was reading the paperbacks yeah um uh, and so it was all just being on wikipedia with every page
0: yeah i mean I, I did that earlier this year when i got through the whole grant morrison run on on batman um lots of time spent hours spent just trying to figure out the right reading order. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but also like
1: the two animated films are great Emerald Knights and First Flight. Yeah. I just fun enough I just started rewatching the animated series. Oh, okay, yeah. Um after watching Clone Wars now. Mhm. I realize it's just a ripoff of
0: Cold Wars. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's
1: them going. I guess it's closer to Rebels. Okay, because it's them trying to find like Green Lanterns out in this void space to help them fight the Red Lanterns.
0: Oh okay, all um, right, yeah, the, that kind of makes sense. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I mean and I- it's it's okay. I mean, my favorite character is Saint Walker in all of the Green Lantern universe outside of Kyle Rayner, mm-hmm. um, and he pops up a couple times in that series. Okay.
0: I feel like those are good places, yeah, to get um, because that's the thing. These shows are often a good starting point to get the the basics in place. Mm-hmm. I'd say in terms of comics, um, I think I read Green Lantern's Secret Origins with Geoff Johns, which is basically a retelling of Hal Jordan's origin. Yeah. a few years ago, I think it's relatively self contained. I know they did an Earth One Green Lantern, which I haven't read, but a lot of the Earth One stuff is pretty good. I really oh, War. That that's a big one. Okay, that's a big that's one. That's kind too.
1: of the first splinter into yeah. the other colors
0: but i also feel like that's another one too that's like it helps if you have some background knowledge maybe a little bit going in
1: I've, i mean it, it's just kind of sinestro okay knowledge which you get from first flight
0: okay because i was gonna say other places to look for like more simplified green lantern stories i think i haven't read the earth one that might be worth checking out um and then i'm gonna plug it again but dc new frontier i mean how jordan's a primary character a in great that. arc in New Frontier. yeah exactly and it's it's much more about how and his personality and his story than it is specifically green lantern mm-hmm. um but and again if you're looking for an origin story for Hal, i think that's a great one to go to because you get so much more and it's going to introduce you to other characters in that universe they're going to pop up in things like probably sinestro war and mm-hmm. uh blackest night too yeah so.
1: or if you just want a completely side story post blackest night and brightest day there's an arc called new guardians which follows okay. just kyle okay Um, where the premise is out of the blue one day, he suddenly gets a ring from every core and it causes this huge fight between all the all the kind of head of the lanterns. Okay. Of, like, why is this guy being chosen? And you get to see him wield every color. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, Hal so, is the coolest.
0: I, I do love that all of your suggestions are some of the most, like, dense, complicated Green Lantern <laughs> stories. So I, I'd say maybe to answer the specific question. Well, it
1: depends on, like, what aspect of Green Lantern you want to follow. Because a lot of them do follow Hal. But I... I love the stories that go
0: beyond just him. And I think the question may have been, like, maybe a good starting point. So I I think maybe your original (laughs) answer of, like, Rebirth... (laughs) Yeah, Rebirth is the best place to start. Rebirth might be a good place to start. If you're liking that, then, yeah, I think Blackest Night, Sinestro War, whatever you just said.
1: Yeah, because Rebirth (laughs) leads into... Sinestro Corps leads into Rage of the Red Lanterns. And then that basically leads into... Blackest Night. Okay, yeah. For, so for just the Green Lantern straight arc. Yeah. So the the TL- agent Orange is in there a little bit, but that's not super important. Okay. That's so the just firefly is
0: the TLDR answer is rebirth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Johns rebirth from the early two thousands, not the DC Universe rebirth. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there you go. There it is. There
1: we go. But <laughs> wow, no, I've I read more than I thought I've read. You know. that, that was See, yeah.
0: Wow. And yet you still struggle so much talking Green Lantern in this There's podcast. There's so much. There's so much. <laughs> but no uh thanks Solomon, for writing again with the comment and for the question yes uh yeah and so you can find us if you have uh thoughts on these episodes questions for us to answer if you have suggestions for cameron's thoughts about the uh, dc-based theme park Mm -hmm. you can find us at tim talk pod on facebook twitter instagram gmail and youtube uh we're also now up on the pond tower as well on youtube Uh, So go subscribe to that and find some other great DCAU content from our friends. Yeah. So, uh, and you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yeah. If you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures boom
0: boom boom yes all right well i think that does it for us this week we'll be back next week to talk about uh secret society which is going to see the return of gorilla <gasps> Ooh. so of our remaining gorilla ep- city gorilla city yes of our remaining episodes that's the only one i don't remember off the top of my head so that'll be a fun thing to uh explore good as we uh we enter the home stretch here heading towards uh so <laughs> which one that's a small episode okay that has it's, abs- it's just the single episode right? yeah it's just a one part thing has absolutely no repercussions for any of the rest of the dc universe going forward cool i kind of need just like a break from yeah yeah it's a small little thing yeah very digestible uh but uh, thanks for listening as always everyone and we'll see you then
1: yeah thanks guys bye bye